Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Well, there's a lot of times that I prepare a message that the Lord gives me, and it's usually out of uh, a passage of Scripture, and then I've got to kind of create content out of it, and that's how my sermons are formed. But there are also other times when the actual passage itself is the sermon, and that is... Uh, what is happening today, I, I'm going to read a passage out of the NIV, and the, the, the passage of Scripture itself is the sermon today, uh, because Paul writes to the church in Colossae, and this church had actually not been physically planted by Paul himself. We believe that it was planted by Epaphras, one of his protégés, one of his disciples, and um, the church itself was actually on the verge of being torn apart. What was happening at that time that Paul was responding to the issues of the church of Colossae was that people of all varying and diverse backgrounds had come into the church, obviously being saved, and they were imposing their brand of Christianity, their opinion of, of the way things should be, and their way of thinking, and their ideologies, and all the different cultural uh, ideas that they brought into the church. This is before the Bible was written. Makes sense to you guys? And so they, they were trying to figure out life coexisting together in this really diverse mixture of people. And um, coupled by that, there were some really strong, dominant voices that were bringing in their ideas as to how Christianity should be. And, uh, you know, it's amazing how strongly we feel about how strongly we feel. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Paul writes back to this really diverse group of people, and he writes this really anointed, prophetic powerful revelation that pulls together all the different factions, all the divided groups, all the different opinions that were existing in the Colossian church at the time. And in this third chapter, he really nails it. And towards the end of last year, I was really inquiring of the Lord, what is it that you want me to say to the church? What's your heart for the church? I usually try and listen prophetically and, you know, not just for our church, but maybe for the church at at large, the big C, the, the church in our city and the church in our nation. And the Lord actually said to me, and this is what I felt I heard. He said, you know, everything you will go through as a church, as Nason's church in 2022, I've already known and seen, and I've already prepared you for it. And then he leads me back to a 2,000-year-old scripture that is just as relevant today as it was back then. In the Colossian church, division was at the door. Polarizing opinions were already in the church. And the question was asked of Paul, how do you navigate all the different demographics, all the different pressures of polarization? How do you pull the multitude of differences together under the one church? And the Lord actually spoke to me about our church. You need to understand division is right at our door. Society is placing that on us. And I believe today, this passage in Colossians 3 is a prophetic declaration that is just as relevant today. So I'm going to take you on a bit of a journey for the next 15 minutes. Is that okay? Paul says this, Colossians 3 verse 1, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on what you see in the news. Does he say that? Set your hearts on what you read on your Facebook feed. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Double me, double emphasis. He says, set your minds on things pertaining to COVID. Does it say that? Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Verse three, for you died. In case some of you need a reminder, you're dead. And dead people don't have an opinion. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, your new life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now he speaks to them about their former life. He says, put to death, therefore. K, 
kill whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. So that's the past life as unsaved people. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, right? Then he says this, but now, so now it's talking about us as believers, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. That's the stuff Christians do. He's saying, but now that you're Christian, get rid, of your, get rid of all of these things. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Thank God we're made in the image of our creator. Thank God we don't have to live in the image of the old self. And he says here, say here, there is no Gentile or Jew circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. How many of you want that this year from the people that you live with? Well, you start with you. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And overall, say an overall. These virtues put on love. Say love. Which binds them all together in perfect unity. Say unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace or shalom and be thankful. Can we give Jesus a big shout of praise for that? This is my declaration for 2022 as a church across all our services. We had an amazing early service today, but online and now in this service, this is our declaration that in 2022, we're going to stand united. That we're going to stand united. My prayer is that as we commit to putting the work in to stand united as a church, you'll see unity spill over into your marriages, into, come on, into your family life, into the way that, that you interact with your... And so there are some thoughts that I want to bring to you around this whole thing of standing united in 2022 because division is at our door and I don't want to even open the door an inch to allow division in. Come on. And the first thing is this, that we unite around Jesus. We unite around Jesus. This is the most important revelation. If you're going to zone out, play with your phone, just give me your first five minutes of this, okay? Because it's really important. We unite around Jesus. Jesus is the only thing that makes me your brother. Jesus is the only one that makes you my brother or my sister. We unite around Jesus, whatever physical location you might attend on a Sunday, whether you're online. What makes us brothers and sisters in Christ is that we are actually in Christ. Jesus is what we gather and unite around. Paul does a genius thing. He turns their eyes away from what's different and polarizing about their views and their cultures. And he points them towards Jesus and says, set your eyes on things above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. You know that two people that have completely diametrically opposed views on climate change, about COVID vaccinations, about politics, about economic policy, which football team win the premiership this year? Two people that have polarizing opinions on all of these things can stand completely united when they're both united around Jesus. 
The reason why we struggle with unity is because we keep looking at what keeps us apart and divides us when Paul is saying, just set your mind on things above. But for us to be able to unite around Jesus, we have to make a decision who is on the throne of our heart. Because if the latest news feed or your latest opinion is on the throne of your heart, you will never unite around Jesus. Jesus can only unify us when to you, he's your number one, and to me, he's my number one. Come on. And you have a conviction that the same blood flows through all our veins. Blood of Jesus. Come on, are you out there? Where we come unstuck, and this is what the problem with the, that Paul was identifying with the Corinthian church, is that where we come unstuck is when we try and find unity by trying to convert others to our points of view. So the Colossian church had issues because the Jews were trying to convert the Gentiles to their customs. And the Gentiles were trying to convert them to their customs. And like the Scythians were trying to convert the barbarians to their customs. And, and the barbarians were trying to convert the Scythians to And everyone was trying to shout louder at each other, trying to convert each other to their way of doing things. No wonder they had division. Come on, are you out there? Like the circumcised were trying to convert the uncircumcised. How's that for coercive medical procedure? Do <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like they will literally not allow uncircumcised people to enter. Now, you know, some of you are complaining about showing your vaccination status <laughs> when you enter a restaurant. And you got a mobile phone to do that. Imagine living in the first century trying to show your circumcision status <laughs> with no mobile phone. I mean, what, what, what else do you do? I'm like double circumcised. I've got my booster circumcision coming up next month. What do you say? Like, what, what do you do? Like, ridiculous I know, right? Mel Fletcher is losing it in the front row. She just... You just had it. She's a very visual person. She works with me, and she's very visual. Ken, can you control your wife, please? Everyone's trying to convert everyone to their side of the fence. That's why Paul says in Colossians 3, here in this church, this is the apostolic word. There is no Gentile or Jew in this church. There is no circumcised or uncircumcised. There is no barbarian. There is no Scythian. There is no slave. There is no free. But Christ is all and is in all. We unite under Jesus and Nations Church. There is no, you're that ethnicity. You're that skin color. You're that culture. You live in that suburb. You're not really educated. You're very educated. You're high class. You're low class. There is no such thing in this church. You are disabled. You're able but there's no such thing. Christ is in all because he's in us all. We unite around Jesus. We unite around Jesus. The second thought about, you guys can something out of this? The other thing about standing united is that we put love on over all. Over all, we put on love. Paul says this. He gives us outfit suggestions. Clothe yourselves, he says, with the latest Zara outfit. <laughs> Does he say that? Clothe yourselves with the latest Uniqlo and H&M outfit. He says, clothe yourselves with compassion. 
kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on like a, like a cloak, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Church, you know the predominant outfit we should be wearing is not that really cool jacket. The first outfit we should be wearing is always love. If you put on love, you, we, we stand far greater chances of standing together in unity when we put on love. This is what putting on love looks like. When you just want to fire off that opinion of that person, ask yourself, am I putting on love first? Well, that's real hard. Hello. Some of you wives, you just want to, to your husband, put on love first. I'm protecting you, brothers. Come on. I fear for your lives some days. I know you're all stupid sometimes, you deserve it, but I'm protecting your brothers, I'm standing with you, man. Put on love. Can we all agree that this year at Nations Church, we're going to put on love? So if you're going to come at me with something, the first thing I'm going to ask, are you putting on love? Before you come at me, put on love. Imagine how many issues in the past we would have avoided if we'd practiced Colossians 3, putting on love, like forever ago. Imagine, imagine how, many, you know, how many of you would love, love your teenagers to clothe themselves with compassion and kindness. And come on, all the parents of teenagers, young adults, you want them to come clothed with gentleness and patience, putting on love. How many of you want that? Well, you put it on first. As you wear it, they'll watch you wear it. Come on. Love looks good on you, man. Turn to someone and say, love looks good on you. Turn to the other person and say, love is going to take 10 kilos off you. No, I'm joking. <laughs> love looks good on you. And it's a hard thing. Putting on love is a hard thing. It sounds really nice coming from a sermon, but it's a hard thing. The reason for that is because I think we want others to put on love for us. We don't always want to put on love for others. It's like, you know, so, so many of us, we want the benefits of unity, but we don't really want to do the work of unity. It's like, it's like wanting the benefits of marriage, but not really wanting to work at it. Not wanting the commitment. That's called an affair. That's a whole other story altogether. <laughs> Paul firstly tells us that we need to unite around Jesus, and he tells us to put on love overall. So where to from there? Because I can tell you now, it's Vision Sunday. Our unity is not going to be tested on Vision Sunday. It's like great announcements, beautiful item, awesome. You know, go out there, we've got gifts for you, food. Our unity is not going to be tested. You know what's going to be tested? Six months from now. 12 months from now, 18 months from now. You know that on a wedding day, a couple's unity is not tested. It's the dance, the beautiful dress, it's lovely, right? You know when it's tested? When the baby, when the first child comes. When they're gonna make decisions on the house. Why is it giggling on that side? That's when unity's tested. Not on the wedding day, but it's in the second year, and in the fourth year, and in the fifth year, and in the 20th year. That's when unity's tested. So where to from here? Well, we protect our unity above all. We protect our unity above all. The reason for that is because the devil actually hates our unity. He hates it when couples are actually on the same page. He hates it when a husband and wife are actually synergizing, they're praying together, and there's a sense of you. He hates it when family nucleuses stand together. He hates it when churches and connect groups and, and ministries stand together. He hates it. He would much rather divide us, and that's why division is at the door. And I, this is my personal opinion. I reckon division is utterly demonic. 
because I've never seen anything good come out of division. I've never seen life-giving things come out of division. Division has only ever seen death and separation and, and, and all things that are not of God are outcomes of division. Division's a spirit. And the spirit of division always rides in and is fueled by pride. The spirit of division almost looks for pride. If you see division, you always see pride. I've never seen two humble people enter into an irreconcilable conflict. I've never seen that. Only two proud people. And like, there is no way you can even mediate that. It's like both standing their ground. Proverbs 13 verse 10 says it so clearly. It's not going to get any clearer than this. Where there is strife, there is pride. Where there is conflict, there is pride. Where there is division, there is pride. Pride is the primary doorway that the demon of division comes in on. And the reason for our pride is that pride will never fight for unity. It will only ever fight to be right. Pride never fights for unity. It fights to be right. Where there is strife, there is pride. Now I know why Paul said to put love on over all. See, we all think that the opposite of love is hate. But when it comes to human relationships, the opposite of love is not hate, but pride. Let me preach into this. You've never seen this before. But love, by definition in practice, is complete selflessness, is it not? Pride, by definition, is selfish. So, in a marriage, what erodes unity and love in a marriage is not the presence of hate, but the presence of pride. Watch how the husband and the wife, and watch how they talk to each other. It's not the presence of hate, it's the presence of pride. When I'm sitting between two people that are loggerheads with each other, they used to be friends, now they're at each other, it's not the presence of hate that eroded their friendship over the last six months, it's the presence of pride. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the love chapter. Throughout the late 90s and the early noughties, it was read out at every single wedding you went to. You know the 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. You know the one? Love does not envy, love does not boast, love does not dishonor others, love, does, love is not self-seeking, love keeps no record of wrongs. Now, if you change the word love with pride, it sounds like this, pride is impatient and intolerant. Pride is unkind to others. Pride envies other successes. Pride boasts of its own achievements. Pride dishonors others. Pride keeps long records of wrong. You follow me so far? The opposite of love, which is what holds unity together, is not hate, but pride. And that's why it's so insidious because we think that we're participating in this unity when we have hate. And we say, no, wait, I, don't, I don't hate her. No, you're just too proud to say you're sorry. That's why there's division. No, no, I don't, I don't hate him, honestly. I don't, I, don't, I don't hate him. No, you're just too proud to say, hey, can we just have coffee? We need to clear some things up. So we protect our unity above all by putting on love, and that means you're taking off pride. Husbands and wives, take off pride. Put on love. When you're parenting, take off pride, put on love. When you're dealing with each other, take off pride, put on love. We protect our unity at all costs. And so today, three things. Musicians, you can join me. My time is running out. We unite around Jesus. If that, you agree with that, say amen. amen. We put on love overall. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. And we protect our unity above all. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. The days are going to be increasingly dark in the years ahead. 
It's going to be incredibly uncertain. But I think there is nothing like unity that will shine like a beacon in the night. People are going to go, wow, look at these people. Like That is an abnormal type of relationship they got there. It's just the fact that we're united. Geographically located, separated, absolutely. But we're united. And this is what I loved in closing. Colossians 3 verse 15. This is, this is the outcome of unity. Paul rounds it all up by saying, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, not divided, but one, you were called to peace, to shalom. I genuinely believe that the shalom of heaven is going to be our portion in your families, your marriages, your family homes. Come on. Even in your workplaces, the businesses you run. When you're united. We're going to stand united this year. Amen. You with me? Was that helpful? Come on. Thanks for listening to the Nations Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com. Thank you.